Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out TheRestingPlaceTampa.com. The reason we do baptisms, it's part of our mission. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. That is why The Resting Place exists. First and foremost, for the lost to be found. That happened today. That was great. For the found to be free. That happens all the time around here, Sunday to Sunday. People are getting free in community collectives. People are getting free in worship. It's awesome. And also for peace to reign in our city because we want to become a change agent in Tampa Bay. We don't just want to be a nice, happy gathering of happy people who look nice, which you do. You're beautiful. It's cool. It's really nice. But if that's all we do, it's a failure. A holy huddle is a failure. A holy virus is victory. I want to infect Tampa Bay with peace. And so that requires activation. That requires equipping. That's why we do things on teams around here. That's why we have all these different opportunities for you. So the first step of that, of becoming a change agent, of you, of you being an activator is being changed yourself. You know that salvation is not just a get out of hell free card, right? It's a get heaven into you now card. It's, it's supposed to change you from the inside out. Amen? Amen. So baptism is a huge, if not the biggest part of that. And I'm not going to do all the theological acrobats, the guy on the cross, things like that. Baptism is not necessary for salvation. However, it is an external act that explains an internal reality. It's an external expression of an internal reality. Amen? Amen. And so I need you to understand that when we are baptized in water, we're going to talk about water baptism today, okay? And what that does in tandem with salvation. When we are baptized into water, we are actually baptized into his death. You understand? That's the real death pool. Deadpool. Right there. That's what it is. I said it wrong the first time. Still funny. That's the real Deadpool. All right? We are baptized into the waters of his death. It's a prophetic act. Baptism is not a symbolic act. It's a prophetic act where we share the death of Christ. We do. This is out of Romans 6, verse 4. It's in the Passion Translation. I have it for you on the screens, I believe. It says, sharing in his death, right there, sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried and entombed with him. All right, so you need to understand that the water, it's a watery grave, okay? You're going into the water, and it's a prophetic picture of being co-entombed with Christ. That when he was buried, you were buried. Your old self, all of your nastiness, all of your sin nature, all of that, buried dead. Dead, dead, dead. We share in his death. His death is more effective than your dying daily, I promise. His death is all you need in order to be changed. Sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried. Co means in union with. That means you and Jesus were not buried next to each other. You and Jesus were buried as one. I get in trouble for what I'm about to do. I do it all the time anyway. You and Jesus are not like this. Look at me. You and Jesus are not like this. You're not tight. You're not close. You and Jesus are like this when you enter into the baptismal tank. He prayed that we would be one even as he and the Father are one. They and us and I and them and you and me. One. You and Jesus are not close. You and Jesus are one. 
And so that word co means one. So buried as one, co-buried and entombed with him so that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. Did you know, believers, Christians, those who are in Christ, that's who I'm talking to you right now. Did you know that you were already resurrected? You've already been resurrected. You're going to be, you're going to get ascended one day. Maybe today. Who knows? Nobody knows the time or the hour. <laughs> you might get a glimpse of your ascension today while sitting in your chair. I don't know. Depends on how good my preaching is. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. <laughs> but you've already been resurrected. Okay? You're going to get ascended. You've already been resurrected. It says it right there. We were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him. Again, resurrected as one. So that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. See, what happens is people get saved, they get baptized, and then they feel like they got their ticket, and they live like hell all the way to heaven. Depressed, angry, ill-equipped, frustrated, a lack of peace. I'm describing the church. <laughs> She's hangry. You have, met, have you met a Christian? She's hangry. <laughs> okay. Listen, we're supposed to be filled with righteousness, peace, and joy to overflowing. That's what happens in baptism. It says we're empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. So when you get baptized, you're going into the water co-entombed. It's a picture. It's a prophetic picture of being in the grave with him. And then coming out of the water is a picture of the tomb breaking open and the stone rolling away and you being co-raised with him. You know, the Bible goes on to say you're actually co-seated with him. You're sitting in the same place. He sits on the mercy seat. So when you condemn someone, you are jumping off the seat. You're not supposed to be condemning anyone. You sit on the mercy seat. Yes, judgment day is coming, but from the mercy seat. He judges from the mercy seat. He's not changing chairs at the last day, guys. Like, okay. It's not, it's not judgment day musical chairs where half, yeah, okay. Whew. All right. You're empowered to walk in a new life with a mercy-filled life, a righteousness-filled life, a peace-filled life, a joy-filled life. Amen? Yeah. Amen. So I love this picture because um, a, a quote I'm going to read you from Chris Valton. Because, you know, there's a lot of talk about carrying your cross. And let me just, I don't have a lot of time. We've got to go quick. But there's a place you carry a cross to. Okay? You don't carry a cross your whole life. He says, pick up your cross and follow me. And yes, I know, the version of Luke, if you're a scholar in here, it says, pick up your cross and follow me every day. Some translations say, pick up your cross every day. The Greek could go either way, so check me, all right? Pick up your cross and follow me every day. Pick up your cross. Where do you take a cross? This is what Chris Valentin says. He says, we carry our cross into the baptismal tank, and we come out with a crown. I just think that's a good word. You're not dying every day. You're being empowered every day to live and walk in the freshness of new life. This is the picture of baptism. Are you with me? And this word, baptism, actually is a cooking term uh, in the Greek. It's actually not, it wasn't a, really a, a Christian term or whatever. I mean, it was, a, it was used for ritual cleansings, things like that. But the word Paul chose to use in the Greek is actually from a recipe book. Did you know that? It's actually baptizo. And baptizo literally means pickled. It talks about the process of changing a cucumber to a pickle. 
Some of you are going to get this today, all right? The, who's had a cucumber and liked it? Anybody? Yeah, what's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? <laughs> Pickles are where it's at. Come on, can I get an amen? Yeah, cucumbers are nasty. I don't know what's wrong with you. Anyway, they're very different, right? Cucumber and a pickle, not the same. Definitely not the same. You'd be disappointed. You think it's one and you get the other, right? Yeah, this is what happens. The cucumbers go in a jar, a mix of spices. They seal the jar for a time, and they let it cook in there, in the water, in the liquid. And then they unjar it, and the cucumber comes out a pickle. And that is the word <laughs> Paul chose. Sharing in his pickling, <laughs> we were co-entombed with him. If you've been baptized, you've been pickled. And if you know anything about pickles, I've, I've learned this from my, my spiritual father, Georgian Banoff, and I've done my own research. They actually get changed in the waters of pickling at a molecular level. It actually changes the molecular structure of the cucumber into a pickle. And it's irreversible. You can't make the pickle a cucumber again. I think that's awesome. <laughs> that Paul would use that term says to me, this is an irreversible change from the inside out. So that's a powerful picture. There's, there's two powerful pictures I want to get through today. That's the first one, that when you are baptized, you're sharing in his death, and you're raised to walk in newness of life, and it's just like when, you, when a cucumber gets pickled, you're never going to be the same. You're never going to be the same. So if you, you know, feel like whatever you need to do, the water thing to do that, we have an opportunity for you next week. But anyway, the second picture is that baptism is actually heart circumcision. I'm going to have a little bit of fun now. Are you ready? You thought I was having fun before. No, no. I'm about to have fun. Heart circumcision. That's what Paul calls it. He actually talks about the Jewish nation that it's actually even under the law, one is not a Jew outwardly. Romans 2, 28 through 29. The English Standard Version says, Romans 2, 28 through 29. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart. By the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. So even under the law, Paul asserts that it doesn't matter how many rules you follow. It matters where your heart is at. <clears throat> and so uh, this picture, I'm, I'm not being funny for funny's sake. This is actually a potent picture on purpose, Okay. How many know what circumcision is? It's a removal of the foreskin from a male, okay? They remove something. It's a cutting away of, of flesh, okay? And so this picture even says it's not, circumcision is not at work and physical. It goes into a little more of that in Colossians 2. I'm going to read you that. Colossians 2, we're going to read 6 through 15. So just hang on with me. It should be on the screens for you. I know, a lot of scripture at church. Weird, right? All right. Here we go. In the same way you receive Jesus our Lord and Messiah. This is talking to believers. In the same way you receive Jesus our Lord and Messiah by faith, continue your journey of faith, progressing further into your union with him. 
Your spiritual roots go deeply into his life as you are continually infused with strength, encouraged in every way. For you are established in the faith that you have absorbed and enriched by your devotion to him. Do you see the pickling picture there? You absorbed something. He absorbed his death. The faith you absorbed and enriched by your devotion to him. Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempts to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they're filled with endless arguments of human logic. For they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world system and not the anointed truths of the anointed one. Just so you know, Paul was talking about people talking in church that way, and so am I. People with microphones. They operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world system. And not the anointed truths of the, or, yeah, the anointed truths of the anointed one. For he is the complete fullness of deity living in human form. And our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God. We are completely filled with God. As Christ's fullness overflows within us. It's from the inside out. He is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. Through our union with him, we have experienced circumcision of heart. Here it is. Baptism is heart circumcision. Here it is. All the guilt and power of sin has been cut away and is now extinct because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. We've been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into death also means we were raised with him when we believed in God's resurrection power. The power that raised him from death's realm. This realm of death describes our former state. Say former state. For we were held, say were held, in sin's grasp. But now, say but now, we've been resurrected out of that realm of death never to return. Say it with me. Never to return. I don't care how you feel. I don't care what you did yesterday. This is the truth. Your actions don't, don't undo this. We are forever alive and forgiven of all our sins. He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all. Our sins, our stained soul, he deleted it all and they cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of his cro the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. None of that was my opinion. I'm reading you the Bible. But I have heard the opposite preached often. <laughs> Let's break it down. ESV, we're going to go to another translation. I love translations, same amount of verses. I'm going to do this thing I like to do called read preaching. Yeah, repetition is a good teacher, just so you know. <laughs> just a different, a different angle, same text, different translation. English Standard Version. It says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Right there, that's super important. As you received him, so walk in him. What did you have to do to receive God, to receive Jesus, as you're learning to say? What did you have to do? What did you have to do? <laughs> Hardly anything. You said yes to the Lord, and he did everything. 
So as you received Christ, so walk in him. So walk in him. Here's what happens. We receive Christ, we come out of the tank, and then we get into our behavioral management programs where we try to handle ourselves and crucify ourselves and deal with ourselves and work to get holier every minute. That's not walking in the same way you received. That's walking in a very different way than the way in which you received. Amen? Amen. Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. That's why this house loves to celebrate. We want to abound in thanksgiving, all right? We want to be found abounding, all right? We want to be totally celebratory and thankful. You know, you can't be thankful without any joy, right? Joy is a prerequisite to thankfulness. There's no reason to be thankful if you're not joyful. You're happy about something. That's why you say thank you, right? Like when I go to Tijuana Flats later and I eat that steak quesadilla, I'm going to be like, thank you, Jesus. I pray after the meal. I don't know where y'all are at on that, but I'm more thankful after the meal. So it's just me. And I, I'm thankful because there's happiness in my belly, and I'm, I'm out of that joy abounding in thanksgiving. So out of the joy of what you've been rescued from, you should abound in thanksgiving. It should be a normal, everyday procedure. Wake up and go, thank you, Jesus. It's good. Even if your one-and-a-half-year-old wakes you up six times in the middle of the night, kicks you in the face a couple times. It's still, you wake up in the morning, thank you. That was me last night, just saying, so you know. thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> All right. Here it is. This is where it gets into the nitty-gritty. See to it. Now, that right there puts it on you, man. It puts it on you. This is your job. This is not my job. My job is to tell you to see to it. See to it that no one takes you captive. By what? Philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Let me just, I've said it already, but let me just repeat it, because I want to. One of those empty deceits, human philosophy things that has taken the church captive is that you have two dogs on the inside of you. The one you feed is the one that wins. That you got darkness and light waging a war against the inside. That is called Neoplatonism. It's actually the philosophy of Plato. It's called dualism. And it's not in your Bible. But it is in your pulpit. <laughs> not this one, thank God. No, it's all over the place. That's a human philosophy and an empty deceit according to human tradition. Just an example. It's actually the one he's talking about here. This one, whatever. See to it. For in him. So when he says, see to it that no one takes you captive, and then he starts to give you a theological idea, guess what? He's correcting the thing that's trying to take them captive. Are you following? See, he, this is not random. The next thing he goes into is the theological position that's coming, that's being warred against in the Colossians church. Are you with me? Yeah. Okay. For in him, the whole fullness of deity, that means God, the Godhead, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Now, when it says filled in him, it's actually the Greek word for made replete. And I had to look up the word replete, but <laughs> it literally in the Greek is a word picture for cramming a net full of fish to the point of breaking. Like, we're going to get a few more in there. You know what I mean? Like your trash can at home, you're trying to get a little bit more in there because you don't want to make two trips, you know? And it's breaking. That's, that is what it means to be filled in him. That's what the language is. It's made replete. It's stuffed to the point of breaking out. 
That's on purpose. You're supposed to be so full of God that somebody bumps you and Jesus comes out. All right? Who was it that said, I want to be so full of Jesus that if a mosquito bites me, they go away singing, there's power in the blood. They, you know what I'm saying? I don't know who said it. They said, I want to be. I would say, hey, you are. According to this, you are. I don't know what human philosophy and empty deceit you're agreeing with, but this says you are that full of him. You're full of it. That is the truth. Filled with him. I'm sorry, where am I? You have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh. The NLT version actually comes out and says it. By putting off the body of the sin nature. It's the word sarkinos in the Greek. And it is the word for sin nature. Beast nature. Your beast nature has been cut off just like in circumcision. I'm going to go real quick here. But when they cut off the foreskins, they didn't hang them on the wall and say, I'm going to die to you today. They burned them in a pile way outside the camp. Okay. They got rid of it. It was gone, erased. But in the Christian Western church, we talk to it. We're shouting at foreskins. You don't have power over me anymore. Watch this, foreskin. I'm going to die to you today. This is the picture of what happened to your sin nature when you were baptized into his death. Now, again, that's salvation. Baptism in water is an external act of that internal reality. It's an external expression. It's a public declaration of that truth that already happened in your life. Are you with me? The water doesn't do anything, guys. Like, it's not holy water we're putting in the tank. It's going to come out of that sink over there, all right? <laughs> It's an external expression, a public declaration of an internal reality. Are you with me? Okay. So, the circumcision of Christ by putting off the body of flesh, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were raised with him through the faith and the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. It says, by the circumcision of Christ. Okay, and that actually reads this way, that Christ himself circumcised you. The circumcision of Christ. It's his death, but he's also the physician. And if you try to argue with me that you still have some sin nature stuff on the inside, that there's still half of you is bad, then you're arguing that Jesus, the great physician, missed a spot. I'm not really sure. Can you see Jesus' shaky hand? Yeah, not me either. No. Oh, you're so uncomfortable. I love it. It's great. <laughs> Those who are comfortable are in no need of a comforter. Come Holy Spirit. Amen. So it's good. And you who were dead. This is it. You were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. You were dead. Past tense. God made alive together with him. That is the Greek co-alive. Alive in union with God. Listen, I get it, man. I haven't felt anointed in weeks. Maybe months. I haven't even kept track. I don't even feel tinglys right now. I, I got like no anointing feelings. Everybody else is like, oh my gosh, you feel it in here? I'm like, nope. It was so thick in here. I was like, I could tell by the way all y'all were acting, but I'm just over here like, ain't working. Something's wrong. I don't know. 
It's not about how much you feel externally. It's about agreeing with the truth and the depths of who you are. And this is the depths of who, this is the truth that you have to agree with. All right? I was dead and God made me alive together with him. As alive as God is, that's how alive I am. I don't care how depressed I feel. I don't care how agitated I am. I don't care how much sleep I get. Just as alive as God is, that's how alive I am. Co-alive. One. Amen? This is what happens when you get saved, when you give your life to the Lord. And I have to land the plane here. I could talk for the next three days, but I'm going to land the plane. You were dead in your trespasses, the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. And if you think you have to, like, repent of every little thing and, and ask forgiveness of every little thing for God to be pleased with you, let me just suggest to you, all of your sins were in the future when Jesus died. So get over yourself. You don't make you holy. Yes, ask for forgiveness. Yes, repent. Change the way you think. But don't think it earns you anything. It's already there. You're just accessing it. It's just writing the check on what's in your account. It's not putting anything in your account to ask for forgiveness. That's why you shouldn't be begging for it and that stuff. You should be abounding in thanksgiving. Thank you, God, that you've forgiven me of all my trespasses. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. You can turn this stuff into a declaration. You can say, God, you've forgiven me of all my trespasses. You canceled the record of debt that stood against me with all its legal demands. So that means sin and the consequences of sin. So if today you're suffering from like an illness from a past sin or a life of sin or whatever, I'm especially like, I don't want to embarrass anyone, no one raised their hand, like sexually tr transmitted diseases, and you think it's your lot because you were sinning? No, with its legal demands. He canceled it with its legal demands. So here's all you need to do is access that, write a check on it. Our team that comes down in just a minute will help you write that check. And we will allocate the resources of heaven. We'll break that realm in on this realm. We will. That's what it means to be healed. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. And I have to end, so I need the restoration team to come up. And Pastor Jimmy, I think, is doing the close. But you can listen and watch them walk up at the same time, right? Yeah. So you can multitask. He disarmed the rulers and authorities. There's another place in your Bible where it says he defeated the enemy, right? So the, uh, this is my thing. The devil, the powers and authorities that you're all worried about have been disarmed and defeated. They're nubby. I call the devil nubby. I do. He's got a wicked tongue, but no arms, no legs. He's been disarmed, defeated. All right? And he's like trying to tell me, your sins haven't been erased you still got a sin nature. Didn't you see what you just did? And I'm like, you shut your mouth, nubby. You can't even crawl fast enough for me to, you know, I can walk away from you. You're on the ground there, nubs. Yeah. He disarmed and defeated them. Isn't that good news? <laughs> good news. So if in hearing any of this, it's fresh to you, it's new to you, I want you to ask the Holy Ghost if you need to be baptized next week. I mean, we will, be, we will stay all day and baptize everyone. We're going to do it during worship. It's going to be a party. It's going to be awesome. Seriously, if you want to make a public declaration of this truth, that Jesus has your life, that you're co-alive with Christ, that you, everything you were died, everything he is came alive in you, I want to encourage you. Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out theRestingPlaceTampa.com.